listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. not one to come and do a public speech, but I'll do my best. Um, A little over a month ago, Pastor Luke called me and asked if I'd be willing to share my testimony. I didn't want to at all, but I told him I'd think about it. A few days later, I told him, thank you for asking, but I'm just not ready yet. A few days later, I received a phone call from one of my sisters asking me if I would lead a devotional. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but I was surprised she'd ask me because I'm kind of the last person to ever lead a devotional. But then I told her about my conversation with Pastor Luke, and she said, Tara, I think God might be trying to tell you something. I couldn't disagree with her, and it sure had me thinking more about sharing my testimony. There was something inside me that wanted to share, but at the same time, that was really scary. A few days later, I was driving up north to see my sisters, and the Lord brought me to tears as I reflected on the last year of my life. And I simply realized I was running from something God wanted me to do. So I've sent Pastor Luke a message saying, if he still needed someone, I'd be willing to share my testimony. He said that would be great, and I kid you not, the next song that came on the radio was a song by Matthew West, and it's called My Story, Your Glory. The song is about God, how God uses the good and the bad times from our testimony for his glory. Again, in tears, I realized this was no coincidence. So that brings me to today. And while I'm nervous, I know God has placed me here for a reason. As I started to write my testimony, I realized this was going to be really hard. But I've also found that this has been a very healing experience for me as I've reflected on what to share. I was born and raised in a loving Christian home in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. I was baby number five of the family and blessed to have a twin sister. My dad worked construction while my mom stayed home with us. When I was three years old, my mom was pregnant. Complications started to happen as she went into labor. She was sent to Duluth and then to the Mayo Hospital in Rochester. It was there they diagnosed my mom with a rare form of acute leukemia. My mom was very sick, but gave birth to a healthy baby girl. The doctors didn't expect my mom to make a full recovery through the night, but by God's grace, she did. However, my mom would not make a full recovery, and she went to be with Jesus 13 days later at the age of 31. My dad was left with seven kids under the age of 10. He himself was only 30 years old. The benefit to being so young is that I don't remember a lot from that time, but I do remember running to meet my dad in the hospital hallway, his arms wide open, greeting me with a big smile on his face. I remember the shock I felt when I touched my mom's hand before her funeral and how that made me so scared and uncomfortable. The downfall to being so young is that I don't remember anything about my mom, her voice, her laugh, her personality, nothing. I experienced great trauma without realizing it. Fast forward a year and a half, my dad got remarried. 
My new mom was also widowed. Her husband passed away the same year as my mom, and she had two kids of her own. Her and my dad attended the same church. I was only five years old, but I remember being so happy and excited about the wedding. My mom told me I was quick to accept her. That had something to do with her for sure. She loved me as her own, but I also think I was simply excited to have a mom again. We became a blended family of 11, and then together my parents added two more, completing us of a family of 13. My childhood from here on out, in my perspective, was very normal and happy. For being a blended family, we came together so naturally. We attended the Evangelical Free Church that my dad and biological mom helped start. We were involved with Sunday school, youth group, VBS, just to name a few. I knew that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. And I asked Jesus into my heart at a young age and then rededicated my life to him at Bible camp when I was 12 years old. I understood my morals and what was expected of me. I understood what was right and wrong, but I didn't take having a personal relationship with Jesus very seriously. We spent a lot of time together as a family. That was very important to us, and we enjoyed being together. We worked hard. Everyone had to help out, whether it was doing dishes or other chores around the house, getting up wood every fall. And we also had a lot of fun together, four-wheel four rides at the hunting shack, volleyball and baseball games at home. We spent Christmas break skating and playing boot hockey on the backyard rink. School years were busy keeping up with everyone's athletics and activities. Summers were a time for fun. My parents bought a cabin when I was eight years old, and to this day the cabin holds some of the most special memories for me as a kid. We had so much fun together, and I loved having a big family. But having a big family came with its challenges. After all, most of us had all experienced deep grief, and we all handled it differently as we went about our life. We didn't talk about our losses much growing up, and to be honest, I'm not sure why, but my parents were both busy, so one-on-one time, one -on -one time rarely happened. There was a lack of personal space, and it was easy to just feel lost in the mix of everyone. But I never doubted my parents' love. My family became well-known in our community due to our circumstances. I felt like I had a label slash target on my back my entire life. I was one of the Geislers. I can't speak for all my siblings, but I know many of them felt the exact same way. I also wouldn't say it was a bad label, but it ended up having a more negative effect on me throughout my life. In most ways, the people of the community really respected us because of what we went through and how our family thrived through such, such suffering, but they made it seem like we were just the perfect family. We drew a lot of attention because our family was so big, so it always felt like we were like people were looking or watching or noticing us. I was sort of shy, so with that, it developed an insecurity of always worrying about what people thought of me. I was self-conscious of my body appearance. I struggled a little bit in school learning, but was way too shy to ask for help or to tell my parents that I didn't know how to do something. In turn, I'd usually go ask an older sibling instead. I talked to my parents about practices or games or anything else, but if there was heart-to-heart -heart conversation I needed to have, I didn't quite feel comfortable going to them. And maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't remember that. As a result, I became really good at stuffing my feelings. The one place I felt the most comfortable and confident was playing sports, so that in turn became a great outlet for me and is 
really what got me through my school years. After high school, I decided to attend the community college in town to get my A and play the sports I loved because I didn't know what I wanted to do career-wise. The first year was great. The second year is when I started to develop a stronger desire of independence. I started hanging out with a group of friends that concerned my parents. A few incidents happen, incidences happened where they were trying to protect me from making bad choices, but my perspective was flawed and I ultimately pushed them away. I was tired of people being in my business. I felt like my family was being judgmental and my friends. I was tired of living up to everyone else's expectations. So I decided I didn't care anymore and I was gonna do whatever I wanted. Yet I did care because I didn't have the courage to live my rebellion boldly. Again, too afraid of what people may think. So instead, I started lying and living a doubled life for the next four years. I had no idea who I was or who I wanted to be, and I made a lot of bad decisions and pushed my family away and God. And as I reflected on what to share in regards to those four years, I decided any more details on that are meant for a different time and place. But what I wanted to reflect on more was the grace and love my family poured into me during that time, even though I wanted nothing to do with them. They all knew I was struggling, but they never abandoned me. They didn't enable me, but they never stopped loving me. And at the end of the day, I, I knew I could always fall back on them and know they would be there. I have no one to blame but myself for the choices I made, and I take 100% responsibility. Of course, I would do anything to go back and change it, but God knew all along I would go through these struggles, and in the end, his plan is always perfect, scars and all. God would redeem me and bring me back to my family. I'm so thankful for his protection, his grace, and mercy. I've repented of those sins, and I know I'm forgiven. Praise God. So four years later, it's the spring of 2011. I was getting my life back on track. I remember having a conversation with myself that the next person I dated would be the person I marry, which in short just meant I was going to take my dating life very seriously. It wasn't too long after that that I received a Facebook message from Sammy Larson. To be completely honest, it actually was the second message I had received from him. He reached out to me a year prior, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I completely ignored him. This time, I wouldn't ignore him. Um, we started communicating, and I still played hard to get. But by God's grace, Sam waited for me. I honestly don't know why he did, but I'm so incredibly grateful that he did. Meeting Sam changed my life, and he is the best thing that has ever happened to me. He truly saved me. We were married 10 months later. Looking back, we hardly knew each other, so yes, we did have a lot to learn. But the gift of marriage is so special. We just celebrated our 11th wedding anniversary, and each year just keeps getting sweeter with time. God has blessed us with three beautiful children. I had always wanted to be a mother. My journey through motherhood has been both sweet and messy, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Those three little ones continually humble me and remind me of my need for a Savior, and I love them so much. Through Sam, God has also blessed me with the most amazing in-laws. They have treated me as their own from day one, and I can't even begin to express how much that impacted my life. They are the best, and you won't ever be able to argue with me about that. 
We attended Elam for two and a half years before Sam and I both felt it was time to try something on our own. We started attending Lake Community Church in Alexandria, and I was able to get connected with a women's Bible study. For the last seven and a half years, I have been meeting with these ladies every other week, and they have become some of my best friends. Growing up, I never really had friends outside of my family, so this has richly impacted my life and been an answer to prayer. These ladies have been with me through thick and thin, and I am so thankful for their friendships. In January of 2017, my dad had a pulmonary embolism that nearly took his life. From that, it was discovered that my dad had a rare form of blood cancer called blood mantle dysplasia, also known as MDS. There was a lot to process after losing my mom to cancer. I never expected my dad to get cancer, which I realize is super naive to think, but very much the truth. During the summer of 2021, we felt God was calling us back to Elam. So at the start of the school year, we came back and it was a wonderful transition. My dad started feeling sick towards the end of the summer and we found out he had diverticulitis. Because of his MDS cancer, his immune system was extremely weak. His body wasn't responding to antibiotics and he ended up having surgery not once but twice. Neither surgeries were able to be done laparoscopic, so my dad was at a very high risk of infection and of not being able to heal. He was so sick and not getting better when finally, by God's grace, a room opened up at the U of M for him to be transferred to. That hospital saved his life, but unfortunately, he had a really, really long road of recovery ahead of him. He would be sent home stable, but in need of 24-hour care. My mom had to temporarily leave her job to care for him, and us siblings all had to pitch in to help care for him, as she couldn't do it alone. The downstairs of my mom and dad's house turned into a hospital room, but I got to witness what unconditional love looks like when I watched my mom care for my dad. It was beautiful but painful at the same time. My dad was withering away right in front of me, but promised he would keep fighting, reminding us that no matter what, God is still good. My dad was doing well, given his circumstances, but unfortunately got sick with RSV. He ended up on a ventilator for three weeks, and he fought so hard, but his body just had been through so much. He went to be with Jesus on February 6, 2022. Watching my dad suffer and then losing him was the hardest thing I've ever experienced. For as much as I didn't want to lose my dad, I didn't want him to suffer anymore. And there was peace in knowing he was in heaven. But I had never experienced such deep pain before. I was so heartbroken and there was so much trauma with how it ended and I just wanted more time. Realizing we take time for granted each and every day. Yet despite the immense pain, I had never felt so close to God and I understood God's plans were far better than my own, even when I don't like them or even when they don't make sense. God would somehow use this for good. But I'd be lying to say I didn't have questions like why why did he have to suffer so badly or God why you took my mom why would you take my dad I was in denial I was mad I was numb I was sad I I just I hit every stage of grief and even though I knew and believed God was sovereign I started to feel really dry in my faith 
I couldn't listen to my praise and worship music anymore. I believed it, but I didn't want to hear it. I was starting to experience more anxiety. Having lost both biological parents to cancer was messing with my mind. It was really hard to be a compassionate mother. I didn't want to be sad anymore, yet I didn't want to feel sad forever because I never wanted to accept the fact that my dad was gone. Losing my dad also opened wounds from losing mom. I felt alone. I felt sort of like an orphan. I never expected to lose both of my biological parents at such a young age. I realized there were so many things I didn't know about my mom that only my dad would know. And I wished I would have asked more questions. During all of this, I started to experience some of my own health issues and chalked it off to grief and stress, but then finally went in and discovered I had a large ovarian cyst on my left ovary. I could tell the cyst was growing and eventually was able to have surgery in December where they removed a seven-inch ovarian cyst. The surgery went great, but the day after Christmas, I got a call from my doctor. They had some unexpected news. What they thought was an ovarian cyst was actually a granulosa cell tumor, which is a rare form of ovarian cancer. I had just spent the last year terrified of getting cancer, and now I was being told I had cancer. And, in, and actually, I was just kind of angry, but God graciously gave me a peace I can't describe. I truly felt like I was going to be okay. I felt fine. My prognosis was good. After some blood work and a CT scan, it was clear that the first surgery was successful and I was cancer-free. Praise God. While last year was one of the hardest years of my life, it also came with one of the happiest times in my life. As many of you know, we bought Sam's grandma's farm. I can't even say this was a dream come true because never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine that I would live on a farm. But I can proudly say I wouldn't have it any other way. The crazy thing is that my dad always used to tease Sam and I that we would become farmers. And I'd always laugh it off and say no. I actually have COVID to thank because it was during the lockdowns that we started going out there and I watched my kids embrace the farm life and I myself started embracing it as well and started desiring all the things the farm had to offer. I know I will continue to mourn my dad's passing, my mom's for the rest of my life, but I feel as though God gave me such a gift with this farm that has brought so much healing to my heart. When my dad was sick, I'd send videos to him from the farm, and some days that was the only thing that would make him smile. He just loved the farm life. It was so special for me to give that gift of joy to him when he was hurting. And now every day when I'm here, I feel as though I am able to honor my dad, that I'm able to make him proud. Not because I have to, not because I'm trying to, but because I'm simply just living. God is working in my heart, and I have a deeper desire to know him more. So as I reflect on everything that I've shared, I realize there's a lot to take in. And I feel as though I haven't even scratched the surface. But here is what I'm learning. With every ending comes new beginnings. I was and am nothing without Jesus. Endings can be the beginning of knowing Jesus more fully. God can use our trials to show the world that his grace is greater. Life won't always be easy, but God is always good. And his love covers all. Thank you.
Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's pastorkjolhaug at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.